I'm going to have a word of prayer. Uh, I do want to move into chapter 33 of the book of Exodus. Okay. Father, we come before your throne. In a day and an age where there is so much. Lord, there is just so much that uh, comes against you, comes against your people. And Lord, help us, help me to stand in a place that... uh, You're in complete control. Father, let us rest there. Let us understand that you only spoke existence into being. And Father, when your word springs forth, let us hear. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Father, help us to hear. Help us to rest. Help us to draw upon you and you alone. Thank you for our redemption. Thank you for our Savior. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. We praise you, cherish you. In Christ's precious name. Amen. We're looking at a a text that in your outline I give you, it's verses 33 through 35, and I call it the presence of God. And and I watch people read this and they sort of glaze over it, and it's that Old Testament stuff. It has to do with this, it has to do with that. You know, that's that Jewish thing. They were hanging out in Mount Sinai, and we were doing this. And One of the things I have to ask people is, is God the same yesterday as he is today? You know, I had a friend of mine, a a very dear friend. He's in glory right now. He will be in glory for a long time, probably. But anyway, um, he asked me about the tithe. He says, do you believe in the tithe? And I said, well, you know, you know. It was an Old Testament thing, and I, I like the tithe. I mean, it's cool, especially when you're a pastor. You like the tithe. Okay, and and he said, um, do you believe that the church should tithe? And I said, well, I, I, you know, that's kind of silly. Here's my argument. And that was a legitimate argument. If I make $100,000, okay, I should give God 10% of that? That's only $10,000 out of $100,000. So, uh, you know, and I smile at him and I would say, hey, you know, um, just give as he has given to you. And he says, then I have to ask you a question. And I said, what's that? He says, has God changed? And I said, what? He said, because he commanded the tithe in the Old Testament, has God changed? And I said, oh, no. And he says, and you know, the tithe is 23%. And I was like, well, no. I kind of did like you did. What? <laughs> okay. 
Okay, and as a pastor, you don't really pay that much attention to it. Now listen, I'm not here to get into the tithe. That's not what I'm teaching on. But I want you to think about something. If Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10 says, you have been given Israel as an illustration of what not to do. And yet, what have we done? What have we done? So when I think about this line that I give in a, in a, in a, in a um, an outline, the presence of God. What the heck does that mean? What is it? I'm in the presence of God. Okay. Remember when Moses ran into a little bush problem? Not George, the other bush. Right? What happened? He says, take your sandals off. You are, where are you? You're on holy ground. Why? Because I'm there. Let me explain something to you. If you look at this, chapter 33, the Lord spoke to Moses, depart, go up from here. Okay, now, you know know what just happened, right? He'd been given the Ten Commandments. He'd been given the law of God. Okay, and it was encompassing way more than just those ten Here's how the tabernacle will be. Here's how the lamp will be. Here's how the table will be for the showbread. Here's how the inner area will be. Here's how the outer area will be. Here's how the Holy of Holy will be. This is how the Ark of the Covenant will be. This is how the mercy seat will be. A little more than just thou shalt not. Okay, when I watch people and they say, well, he gave us the Ten Commandments. No, he gave us a lot more than that. He, here's the thing that you and I miss. Okay, he gave us the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. But he says, this is how you shall come to worship me. That's missing. We, we, we want to deal with the, uh, I will not commit adultery, I will not commit murder, I will not steal, I will, and I'm going to do all these other things. And he says, no, no, that's important, don't get me wrong. But he says, you will consecrate yourself before you come into my presence. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. This is the anointing oil and how you will make it and to the degree that you will make it to come into my presence. This is how you will put the blood on your ear, on your finger, on the points of the altar. This is how you will come. Now, let me ask you a question. Has God changed? Hmm. Interesting thought. So he says, depart and go. He's already given this. He came back down, remember? 40 days 40 night, Moses was gone, and what happened to the people? We need contemporary worship. Why? Moses hasn't come back. All right, so what do we do? I want you to give to the body of Christ. I want you to give to the worship of God. Take your gold off. We're going to melt it down, make a golden calf, and party hardy. You know what was weird about that statement? It came from the priest of God, Aaron's brother, or or Moses' brother, Aaron. All right, Moses comes down, and Moses has an attitude. 
you know, I've been up there. I've been hanging out with God. I've been talking to God. He's been showing me some stuff to do. And I leave you alone for 40 days. And here we are. You just can't leave them alone. You know what? We're all guilty of it. Can't leave us alone. You know, I was talking to a pastor just this week. And he says, you know what the problem in the church in America is today? He says, how do we get people to guard their hearts and mind in Christ Jesus? He said, they don't guard themselves. They're, they're just, you know, they're watching this movie or this movie. And they're watching, listening to this program. You know, I, do you know? Okay. Here's the issue that I struggle with. Um, some of you guys are on our Sunday morning Bible study, and we're, they're studying the book of uh, Jonah. It's a Sunday school class. And everybody's like, this is missionaries. And this. Let me tell you something about preaching. Preaching is non-eventful if you do not share the bad news first. Because if I don't give you the bad news, how do I give you the good news? Okay, and if you look at our society today, if you look at, and what I mean by society, if you look at the church today, what do they live in? They want the good news, more good news. Can you give me some more good news? I want to be happy, I want to be smiling, I want to be, I've had a bad week. Can you encourage me? You just don't understand what I've been through. You know what? What was the bad news? This is what I want you to see here. He says, come back up. You and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt to the land of which I spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give this. Okay. All right. Do you understand what he's saying? God says, I'm stopping for a second. And I'm going to regather this and say, you know what? This promised land I've promised you. Verse 2. I, now watch what happens here. Now, now you just read over this and you're going, to, you're going to miss something amazing. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezzazites, the Hivites, and the, uh, you know, all them Jebusites. If you were a Zites... You're out of here. You're done. You know why people don't preach the Old Testament? Too many ites. That's what it is. Did you see that? You're going to get to entry into the promised land. It is not forfeited. Okay? You worship the golden calf. You turned your back on me within 40 days. I still give you. I still give you. The promised land. But guess what happened? Did you read that? What does it say? I will send an angel before you. Cool. Angels are rednecks. You ever seen a redneck angel? They're all redneck. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. One angel. You know, 
And I mean, the, the Assyrians still, <laughs> we don't even know what that is. You know what's amazing about that verse? Who ain't doing it? Let me take you back just a little way. Just a couple of verses, or a couple of chapters. Chapter 23, verses 20 through 23. I want you to read this. Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. Be on guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious towards him, for he will not pardon your transgression since he is, since my name is in him. But if you will truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to you. Who will be an enemy? Who? Where's the angel? Who will be an enemy to those who are an enemy against you? Hmm. Hmm. I will be an enemy to your enemy and an adversary to your adversary, for my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of what? The Amorites, the Hittites, the Pesazites, Canaanites, Hivites, the Jezebites. And what happens? What happens? I, I will completely destroy them. Hmm. See, Moses has got this thing figured out. He's come down from the mountain. He's been hanging out with God. Bizarre stuff has happened. He came down with the tablets. He's got them in his hands. He's holding them like this. He looks on the people because remember Joshua says, dude, there's some kind of commotion going on in the camp. That's paraphrased, by the way. All right. And he comes down and he says, well, it doesn't sound like war. It doesn't sound like defeat. What? What is it? And they come around and the Jews are doing what? Worshiping a golden calf. Moses throws the tablets down. And when he throws the tablets down, they shatter. Why? A nation has rejected God. They have broken God's law. And he throws the tablets down. And that is a picture of them rejecting his word. Did you hear what I said? I hope you heard what I said. You cannot separate those tablets from the word of God. If I break the word of God, I have broken his commandments. Whether it's the tin on the stone on the backside, which would have, this is how you will worship me. Or whether it is on the front side, it said, these are the ten that you better be paying attention to. You got that? What has changed? Hello? Nothing. And yet, God says, you know what? Come back up here. I'm going to give you Ten Commandments again. That's what you're going to see in the rest of this. I'm going to give it to you back again. But here's the difference. Whose presence is missing? Now listen, I don't want to get nothing wrong here. 
hanging out with the redneck angel is fine with me. That works. I have no problem with that. But if you have the choice of God's holy angel or God, which do you want? I'll send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Prezites, Hivites, Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. I will not... Ooh. That verse 3 is kind of depressing. Well, I'll tell you, it was just... What does it say? I will not go up in your midst because you are an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. <laughs> it's, easy. it's easy for me to laugh at that and because I've read the end of Matthew's gospel. When the people heard this sad word, they went into mourning and none of them put on their ornaments. You know what ornaments are, right? This thing you hang on Christmas trees. No. Your ornaments are your, your earrings, your rings. Have you ever seen it today? Have you watched it? Um, people are into rings. Have you seen that? They wear rings on their toes. I don't. But but I have you seen it? I'm gonna get in trouble. I am. And they wear rings on all their fingers, don't they? I mean, pinky ring, big ring, thumb ring. They got thumb rings now. I seen that the other day, and I thought, is it just not sized right? And no, it's a. You know where it came from? The Egyptians. Why? Because it was to bring attention to me. Look, I have a, a little thing on my toe, or I have a little thing on my whatever. You know, I, I seen that um, the first time I, I remember seeing a, a thing around the ankle, a, a bracelet that missed. Uh, that's all I can hear. I'd get it sized down or up. Or whatever. Why is that? Why would you wear a bracelet on your ankle? I, uh, you know what? It's like body piercing. Those two words shouldn't be in the same sentence together, let alone together. Okay, why? Well, I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, listen, I grew up rebellious, okay, as a child. And some people say you still are. But anyway. I grew up rebellious. I never, ever had a desire to have an earring. I don't care what ear I'm... When I grew up, you were only allowed to have one and had to be in the right ear or left ear. I don't know where it was supposed to be. But you were only allowed to have one because you didn't want the other one. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just a long story. Okay? And I never really understood that. I said, you want me to punch a hole in my flesh? And the purpose is what? 
You know, it's like tattoos. It's body art. Who thought that up? Can't I do it with like a Sharpie? You know, uh, uh, but you know where that all came from? I can tell you where it all came from. Bring the adoration to me. That's where it came from. You know, it hasn't changed. Why do we do it now? Same reason. Look, look at me. You know, I'm just not going to punch a hole in my flesh for you to look at me. If you ain't going to look at me, I don't care. (laughs) Why not? Why? Because God says, I might destroy you. Why? Because you're, you want, it's like I've never met anybody with a low self-image. Never. I've never met anybody. I've met met a whole bunch of people who have such a high self-image that they are obsessed by it and therefore it becomes this affliction. And that's what God is saying here. And the people heard this, they were sad. Why? And none of them put on their ornaments. You know what that means? God, please hear me. God said, my presence is leaving because of your adoration for yourself. I'm out of here. Oh, I've made a covenant with you. I've made a promise with you. Please understand that. And I will send a messenger. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm going to send an angel. And the angel will be there. But I won't. I won't. Why? Because you're too consumed in yourself. Now, you know, I can leave this message just right here and leave it like this. For Yahweh says, that's the Lord in verse 5. Moses, say to the sons of Israel, you're an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment, I would destroy you. Now, therefore, put off your ornaments, you know, your, your body, you know, look at me stuff from you, that I may know what I will do with you. So the sons of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. You know what that means? Forty years, they never put jewelry on. Whole generation never adorned themselves. Why? They knew the presence of God was gone. Moses used to take the tent. This is funny. Read this. Well, it ain't funny if he was out camping with the Jews. But anyway, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of the camp a good distance from the camp where the two million Jews would be camping. And he called it the tent of the meeting and it came about everyone who sought Yahweh would go out of the camp where everybody was. They would go out of the camp and go to the tent of the meeting, which is outside of the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand 
each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. It came about whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and and stand on the entrance of the tent and Yahweh would speak to Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and they would worship each at the entrance of the tent. They freaked them out. Thus, Yahweh used to speak to Moses. Did you hear what it said? Thus, Yahweh used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Joshua would stay there. Moses said to Yahweh, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you. If I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways. That I might know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that the nation of your this nation is your people. See, Moses goes back and he says, listen, I understand the severity of what's going on here. This is your people. You brought them out of Egypt. You said you would be their God and they would be your people. And now you are withdrawing from them. How important is this? Okay. Let me give you a for instance. Have you ever looked at what hell is? And people struggle. Well, where is it? It doesn't really matter, does it? I don't know where it is. I think it's just outside of Neptune. Where do you think it is? I don't know where it is. Neptune works for me. But do you understand that hell... Is the absence of God? Did you understand? No, 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 no. Listen. Do you know what beauty is? You know, I can take this group that is here tonight, and each one of you have your own definition of what beauty is. Okay? Um, some of you guys, some of you guys may like the ocean. Okay, I like the ocean. It's just so awesome. Okay, when you're in Colorado, everybody likes the ocean. Okay, because there ain't one. Okay, I've been to the ocean. I've been to multiple different positions on the ocean. And the ocean is really cool for about seven and a half minutes. 
Okay? Because you know what is really amazing about the ocean? And nothing changes. It comes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. Seven minutes I'm saying it comes in, it goes out. It comes in. Okay, let's go do something else. I mean, it, it doesn't do anything. I mean, it ain't like it stands up and salutes you or is snow covered. You know, the mountains, they're, they're, you got the fall and you got the winter and you got snow covered. And the mountains are like, wow, that's cool. But the ocean goes in and it comes out. Okay, but see, that's the difference between what you see as beauty or what I see as beauty. Now, listen, I have seen the ocean all kinds of places. I've seen it in the Bahamas. I've seen it in the Mediterranean. I've seen it on the Atlantic. I've seen it on the Pacific. The only part that I have not seen is the Indian Ocean, and I'm not really pursuing that. Okay, and listen, I thought the Bahamas was amazing. Okay, unless you're standing on Caesarea Philippi. And you look forward to the Mediterranean and it has a different blue to it than the Bahamas do. And you go, whoa, dude, this is a serious blue piece of water. Okay. But it comes in, it goes out. That's all it does. I need no, oh, but it, no. That's all it does. Sorry. Then in there, I also have a like, little hurricane thing. Don't get me wrong, I like the ocean. I would not want to live by it. Okay? But you guys all have what you would perceive as beauty, right? You know why? Because it's the presence of Yahweh. I'm up in the mountains and skiing some deep powder. I remember skiing this powder one time. We dropped off the Continental Divide up off of Berthoud Pass. And when I hit into it, everything disappeared. Completely disappeared. It was all gone. I had no visual anymore. I knew I was going down because gravity was still doing that, pulling it down. And I had seen the guy who jumped before me. We jumped off the cornice. And a guy had jumped before me. And he, you ever seen a mole? You guys know what moles are? You, you could see it moving through the snow, but you couldn't see him. You just seen a bump in the snow moving. All right, and then I jumped off after him because I wanted to make my tracks. And, and it was so awesome. I mean, we skied through stuff, and every once in a while my goggles would open up, and I'd see little, <laughs> and it'd be like, and it back, and back and forth, and back and forth. And it was what was called the champagne powder. Champagne powder is a, a bizarre experience because it's like flour. You know what flour is? Some of you, in flour. <laughs> it's like a flour. No, flower. And, and I'm not talking about like a petal. I'm talking about that white bag of stuff that when you drop it on the floor, you can never clean it up. What? You can't? You spit it on the floor, you've got a white line everywhere forever. But anyway, that's champagne powder. You can take the snow and you hold it in your hand and go like this and it fluffs up. Okay? But you know what was so beautiful about that? Presence of God. Do you remember your husbands, boyfriends? That first time. And it was just, wow. You remember that? It was just like, wow. Why? And you look at that, and there's times I've looked, I remember, 
looking at some couples and think, mm, how did that happen? Well, that's what I thought. I'm not going to mention names. Why? Because God overwhelms you with that person. Oh, did you hear what I said? Even lost people. You ever seen the birth of a baby as Matt leaves? <laughs> it was great. And then all of a sudden life set in. All right? But you have that little infant. And you go, I remember the, my son, uh, Joshua, when he was born, they told me, they, I was in the, the, what do they call that place? The delivery room. And here he comes and they've got him wrapped up. And they said, you need to take him up to the nursery. And I got this little baby. They said, now all you have to do is follow the black diamonds on the floor and it will take you to the nursery. And I wandered around the hospital for two hours. What black diamonds? Where? Why? Because that look. And then, you know, he was colicky and he had to sleep on my chest and I couldn't sleep for like six months. And I thought, this is awful. Why would anyone have to have children? But every single one of those is because the presence of God is there and he brings the beauty and the purpose together. Hell is a lack of God. He's not there. There is no beauty. There is no purpose. And Moses understands that here and says, he's not going to be with us. What's going to happen? He's not going to be with us. But God, these are your people. These are your people. You bring up this people. You yourself. Hmm. I have known you by name. I've hung out in your presence. Name is all that he is. And you have found favor in my sight. I pray you, if you have found favor in your, if I have found favor in your sight, your ways that you may know that I may find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your present does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I found favor in your sight? I and your people. Is it not by your going? Did you hear this? Is it not by your going with us? So that we, I, and your people may be distinguished from all other people who are on the face of the earth. Read that, people. You've got to embrace verse 16. How? I get in more trouble for this. I don't think you're saved. Why not? Verse 16. 
I do not see the presence of God with you. What? How dare you? No. The presence of God shows a beauty. The presence of God shows a confidence. The presence of God shows a purpose. The presence of God shows the power of God among lost and dying people. And it cannot be counterfeited. It cannot be corrupted. It cannot be faked. For how can it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people, people upon the face of the earth. And Yahweh said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. I'm going to take care of you. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by by name, by your nature, by your character, by all that you are. Moses said, I pray you show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of Yahweh before you, and I will... Be gracious to whom I will be. Oh, that's a nasty text right there. I will be gracious to whom I'm, I am gracious. Hey, Paul quotes that in Romans chapter 9, verse 15. Why? God does what God wants to do to whom he wants to do it. Period. Period. He don't care. Well, but I would. No. No. I will be gracious To whom I will be gracious. Why? I'm God, you're not. We hate that verse. We don't like that verse. Why? Well, because he loves me. You know, 316. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Stop right there. He does love the world. And he did give his son. That's the qualifier. He's gracious. I like that. It's cool. Moses said, I pray you show me your glory. I myself will make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of Yahweh before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. That's a good phrase right there. Yahweh said, behold, there's a place by me and you just stand there in that rock and it will come about that my glory will pass by. I will come about and my glory will be is passing by and I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by and then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back. But my face you shall not see. Why? You you know what? This is amazing. I tell people this on a regular basis. It says too many in the church today are doing what? Looking for God's hand. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. And you know what? Nobody's looking for God's face. 
Why? Well, he says right there that you can't look at him and live. Really? Go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what does he say next? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why? Seek my face, and I'll give you the desires of my heart. Of your heart. Why? Oh, it's going to be great. I like it. I like it. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. Now Yahweh says to Moses, cut out for yourself two stone tablets. What's happening? I want you to go back up the hill. Two stone tablets, Moses. And I will write on the tablets the words that which were on the former tablets, which you sh- shattered. So, be ready in by morning. Come up in the morning, Mount Sinai. Present yourself to, there to me on top of the mountain. No man is to come with you. Here's the, it's going back again. This is how you come into my presence. No man is to come up with you. And no, let no man has seen anything on the mountains. Even the flocks or the herds are grazed in front of the mountain. So he cut out two stone tablets like the former ones. And Moses rose early in the morning. I'd have got up early too. And he rose up early in the morning. He went up on Mount Sinai. And Yahweh had commanded him and the two stone tablets in hand Yahweh descended in the cloud and he stood there with him called upon the name of Yahweh and Yahweh passed by in front of him and proclaimed you know what he just said I am in your presence I will be around but understand that my presence is not going to go before you you know I have people ask me they say when you go to Russia how do you want me to pray I said I want Yahweh to go before me I want God to go before me. Well, but how do you want me to pray? I want God to go before me. Well, but you you need no. I want God to go before me. Why? I think I've gotten that across to you tonight. I don't want to be absent from Him. Yahweh, the Yahweh of Jehovah, compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps his loving kindness for thousands, who forgives the iniquity and transgressions and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting iniquity on the fathers of the children and on the grandchildren of the third and the fourth generation. Listen, that doesn't mean that if your daddy sinned, You have to pay the penalty. What happens is the life that is lived by your parents, you will replicate. And what will happen is, is that you will pass it on to your children who will replicate, who will replicate. And so the sins, the arrogance of humanity is passed on generation after generation after generation, and it will grow. And that's what he's saying here. Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worship. He said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Yahweh, I pray, let Yahweh go along in our midst. Do you see what he just said? 
I want to be in your presence. Even though the people are so obstinate and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us into your possession. And God said, behold, I am going to make a covenant, okay, a promise before all your people. I will perform miracles which have not been produced in all of the earth, nor among all the nations or all the people among whom you live, and they will see the working of Yahweh, and for it is fearful thing that I am going to perform with you. Be sure to observe what I am commanding you this day. Behold, I'm going to drive out the Amorite before you, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Watch yourself that you make no covenant in the lands which you are going. Now, this is a little interesting phrase because he never dealt with this in the first time he gave the Ten Commandments. He says, hey, don't make no covenant. Don't make no treaties with these other people. Why? But rather that you tear down their altars, smash down their sacred pillars, and cut down their ashram. For you shall not worship any other God. Why? If you try to embrace these people that you're going to move into, guess what's going to happen? You will fall into idolatry. And if you don't believe me, look at what you did in 40 days when Moses was on Mount Sinai. What would you do if you had an external influence? Think about it. Watch us today. Brothers and sisters, I today believe that the church is as idolatrous in America as any time in its history. And I'm thinking that that kind of ticks him off. Don't make a covenant with the lost. Don't make a covenant with the lost. You shall not worship any other God for Yahweh, who his name is jealous, is a jealous God. Otherwise, you might make a covenant with the inhabitants of a land and they will play the harlot and their gods and sacrifice to their gods and someone might invite you to eat of their sacrifice and you might take some of his daughter. Now that he's talking about intermarrying. Now, do you understand what he just did? Why are we not to marry an unbeliever? Because you will bring idolatry into your home from the unbeliever. Well, but my um, husband, my wife, they don't assert. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. I've never met a human being who doesn't have an idol. I mean, we got TV shows. American, what do they call American Idol. We have idols. It can be a soccer team. Those are really sick people. Um, it can be a football team. It can be a baseball team. It can be a woman. It can be a man. It can be a singer. It can be a whatever. And we bring it in. And if I marry a person who is seeking that idol, what did I just do? Oh, they'll love your Jesus. Really? It's never happened. Did you hear what I just said? Never happened. It ain't never happened. 
You can't make an unbeliever love your Jesus. It's impossible. It's impossible. Never seen it. I have never, ever seen it. I'll keep going along. Maybe one of these days it'll appear. But today it has never happened. You might take some of your his sons and daughters and they might play the harlot. You know what? I was talking to Spirit Zodiades about this. It's been years ago. He says, no time in the history of the church has she been such a harlot. And then he smiled at me. He's got this funny little smile. And he said, she's a haughty harlot. She brags about her prostitution. And I look at the church today and say, amen. First offspring from whom everyone belongs to me and all your livestock, your first offspring and your cattle and your sheep, you shall redeem with the lamb. And the first offspring from the donkey and you will redeem it and you shall break its neck. That sounds pleasant. You shall redeem all the firstborn of your sons and none shall appear before me. What? Empty handed. You do not come before God on your terms. You come with here. It is. This is what I got. I see people today who want to worship in their own way. And he says, you do not come before me empty handed. And it had better be a sacrifice. You know what a sacrifice is, right? This is dear to me. I'm going to give you. I mean, he says, you're firstborn. You're first of the flock. Everything will be your first, your best you bring to me. I don't want less than your best. If you're not going to come to me with your best, go away. Do not come to me empty handed. You shall work six days. And on the seventh day, you shall rest even during plowing time and harvest. Those people who believe that we're billions of years old, uh, God pretty much dealt with that. Shall celebrate the feast of, week, feast of weeks. That is the first of the fruits of the wheat harvest, the feast of ingathering of all the time of the year. Three times a year, all the your males will appear before me. Do you see that? All of your males will appear before me three times a year. And Yahweh says, God, this, I am the God of Israel. I will drive out the nations before you, enlarge your borders, and no man shall covet your land, and you shall go up three times a year. Oh, he's repeating it. I wonder what that means. Okay, three times a year, and you shall appear before Yahweh, your Jehovah. You shall offer the blood of the sacrifice, leavened bread. And it, and it just goes through. I just want you to, I want to stop at the end of this. And the sons of Israel would see the faces of Moses and the skin of Moses' face shone. And so Moses would replace the veil over his face and then people would speak. All right, what is he saying here? Listen, you do not come to me unless it's on my terms. That's what God's saying. That's what God's saying. It's my terms. And here's what's really amazing about it. God hasn't changed. God has not changed. Okay? We have lost this. We have lost the holiness of God. We have lost the majesty of God, the exaltation of God. We've, we've completely missed it. We have, we're clueless. I mean, how arrogant. I have contemporary worship. 
What the heck does that mean? I mean, I have traditional worship. What the heck does that mean? Do you realize how much is music based in that text I just gave you? There ain't no music. There's no music in it. So how do I get all these people telling me, well, but music sets the stage. No, I want him to come down as a cloud. I want the ground to shake. I want everybody to freak out and be scared to death and say, God's here. Why? That's why he did it. And this is really cool. Because you know what? You and I in the body of Christ today have this promise that they didn't get. It was revoked from them. I am with you always. I'm with you always. I like that. I don't want no angel. I don't want, I don't even want a legion of angels. I want God. Why? Me, 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 me. I don't even have to worry about my God can whoop your God. I want him to go before us. And there's only one way to do that. And that is you do it his way. Period. And you know what? Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. I'm a little passionate about this. Sorry. Where I stand. It's where I stand. It hasn't changed. You know, I was talking to a, a person. Was it today? Yeah, I don't know when it was. Maybe. Um, I have the only job that in two thousand years, um, how I do my job has not changed. It hasn't changed. Now listen, if if you have a doctor, you're going to go into a hospital. You don't want them practicing medicine like they did 2,000 years ago, right? I mean, they put a leech or knock a hole in your skull. Let the, I don't know what they'll do. Okay, you don't even want an architect to do what they did 2,000 years ago, right? Do how, how about a lawyer? You know, you're getting ready to go into court and you've got a guy who's practicing law based on 2,000 years ago. You're going to jail. (laughs) I don't care what you did. And yet my job has not changed in 2,000 years. You know what's really bizarre about my job? The tools of my job have not changed in 2,000 years. I only have one. One tool. It hasn't changed. And it's amazing to me. We try all kinds of things. God says, you know what? You're like sheep. You confuse easily. I will give you one tool. Why? Because you can't handle multiple tools. And you know what is bizarre about it? What I do this day is no different than what Moses did on Mount Sinai. Has not changed. You know what's really bizarre about it? I'm glad that you're all sitting down. What you do is no different 
than what Moses did on Mount Sinai. And if you try it any other way, He ain't with you. Let's pray. Father, thank You, Lord, for Your Word and the amazing things that You do. Father, help us. Help us to walk in worthiness. Help us to walk in uprightness. Help us to walk in the power and the authority of Your Scriptures. Thank You, Lord, for these people. Father, I pray that You give them ears to hear and eyes to see. And Father, may we bow before You, the author and finisher of our faith. Father, may we be overwhelmed by Your presence. May we be overwhelmed by Your person. And Father, may we worship in spirit and in truth. Father, may we who are called by Your name understand that You go before us Father, may that be the joy, the bounce in our step, the smile on our face, the twinkle in our eyes. And we are children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the body of Christ. Father, thank you for these glorious days and that we are here for such a time as this to your glory and praise. Amen.